Good morning, everyone. It's so nice to see you all here today. And uh, we are currently reading the book Trustworthy by Lisa Turkus. And today we're going to be reading day four. But before we start, I just want to say welcome to you all and thank you for joining me today. Um, and let's just, you know, take some, some minutes before we start as people come in. Um, let's play some fun games and interact. So first question I have is, what is something that you do when you wake up? When you first wake up, your eyes are opened. What is something that you do? Type it in the chat. Type it in there. I want to see it. Um, for me, for sure, it's I've trained myself for some time now to just wake up and make sure that I thank God. So I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just call upon his name um, and then I um, roll back and, you know, left and right. But the most important thing for me is I say thank you just the moment I wake up. And it's so good because I, I realize that I wake up with a better mood because sometimes you feel like you wake up and you're cranky and everything. But the moment I'm grateful, there's just this joy that comes within me and I just love it. So that's something that I do. So I want to see what you guys do when you first wake up before you grab that phone or the Bible or whatever you do or talk to your partner or talk to your children whoever you talk before you talk to them the moment you open your eyes what's the one thing that you do type it in there i want to see it and then um second question would be what is something that you do on a daily basis like every single day and you don't um break it well okay maybe you do because you know that's life but something that you do constantly in your life for me besides reading my bible and praying it is for sure something you call tea <laughs> i love tea so much oh my it's an uh, it's almost like an obsession but i guess it's a good thing because it doesn't really affect me much and it's i i don't specifically like one type of flavor but just you know the whole ceremony of tea makes me happy and of course i love coffee um that's another thing but i've been really like up and down with coffee over the years so it's mostly just tea that i constantly drink every single day if you are my friend you know you know and yeah so something else i would want to ask is what are you joyful for today like what are you grateful for today i mean there's so many things to be grateful for to be honest if we think about it, just even the fact that we're here today, um, we need to thank God for another thing is just to be able to wake up because so many people have gone, you know, just today. Um, and it, we need to be grateful that we have another chance to live, another chance to breathe and uh, many things to be grateful for. Honestly, type it in the type it in the chat what you're grateful for today. I want to see it. Um, let other people see what you're grateful for as well because sometimes whatever we um, have gone through and have um, you know accomplished some other people may be going through that same thing and it's encouraging when you're grateful for that they realize that oh you know it's not some it's not a battle that cannot be you know defeated and we know that we are victorious in Christ so everything can be breaking broken um, sometimes English can be very hard for me, but forgive me for that. <laughs> what 
but before we start um i just want to um encourage everybody to um take the time to not only pray but really seek god um one thing I've, I've noticed in my life is over the years um, that I, I struggled with a lot of confidence issues. And I realized that when I, when I stood with Christ and I said, you know what, if I don't have confidence, it doesn't matter because what matters is my yes. Because over the years, I realized that when I say yes to God and I let him take over, he has really transformed my life. And today, I don't know who you are. I don't know who's going to be watching this later. But one thing I want to encourage you is that stand with God, trust him and build that relationship with him because he will show you like the most amazing life that you will ever live. If you are the, if you're right now trying to live life by yourself, trying to plan things, trying to make things, which is great. But I think the most important is that we yield to God. We we allow him to, to make the purpose that is in our life fulfilled. Because sometimes we're so stuck up with the plans that we have, uh, with the things that we've written down, with the goals, with the five-year and the 10-year plans that we forget that God exists and God has his own plans for us. And it's always good to align yourself and the plans that you have for your life with what God has you know purpose for you so this is just a quick encouragement that was on my heart and now i want us to pray and let's get into today's um chapter which we're going to be reading day four um the title is the temple so let's quickly pray thank you abba father god for this day oh lord we just thank you for you are god for there is no one like you for you are sovereign king and Lord, I bless your name today. I magnify your name today, Father, because you are so much more than what we know of you, Father God. And Lord, I pray, Father God, even today, as people come in to, to watch this um, Thursday Connect Live, I just pray, Father God, that it would bless them, that I, I pray that you'd use me, Father God, as a vessel to speak to your children, Father God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that each heart who comes in here will have the understanding of your word in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, that you would give us an amazing, amazing time of understanding um, what you have for us from the kings today. Lord, I pray that you just open up our hearts, our minds, our soul, and our spirits, Father God, that we would just be able to hear you clearly, Father God, Lord, I pray that you take care of all the technology and everything that needs taking care of, Father God. We leave it all at your hands and we ask that you bless this time. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So today we'll be reading from, like I said, um, the chapter day four, the temple. Um, this book has been amazing so far. We've had different people um, giving us um, the understanding of the different chapters and so far it's amazing and I pray that this chapter will also bless you so I'll just start off by reading what um, what the chapter says on page 36 I am a planner a problem solver so when I bring my struggles to the Lord in prayer 
I tend to also bring my carefully thought out ideas and suggestions he can choose from. So how many of us actually do this? Where we're like, okay, here's what I think will work, Lord. I just need you to sign off on one of these, okay. And we just ask him, okay, like, these are my plans, God. Can you just sign them off? You know, I already know what I'm doing. I know the plans. I know the A, the ins and the outs from A to Z that have every plan. But I need you to sign off on it. I think a lot of us do that. If you do that, type it in the chat. Say me. I. I am guilty of doing that. Because <laughs> I, for sure, am guilty of doing that several times. And um, as a person who likes to plan my life or to know okay what am i going to do next how am i going to move from left to right i used to be one of those people who get anxiety because i didn't know what was going to come next and praise god god's been working on me because slowly but surely i'm allowing god to take charge over every area of my life and um best thing ever because i don't have to stress ever but it's not easy most of us are um, or they, we like to control our lives and we we make the mistake that by controlling it, we are not allowing God to take over and that's where the whole mess starts. But we praise God because we are learning today so that we can be better, um, better Christians, better believers and allow God to work better in our life. So I'll continue reading what the, I'm on. Um, on the second uh, paragraph, it says, but the longer I walk with him, the more I discover that isn't the way God works. His ways, they aren't our ways. And that's actually something we should be thankful for, even when he asks us to do things that don't make sense to us, which is true. I think sometimes what we do is that we rather do everything that is comfortable to us or that makes sense to us um, than actually going out of our comfort zone and doing something that's absolutely um, maybe uh, not unacceptable. I don't want to say unacceptable, but absolutely, you know, crazy to you. Like, oh, God, I could never. For example, for me, um, I used to have fear um, of public speaking. Like, you would never find me like talking to you today here um, because I, I just thought, oh, I cannot, um, you know, articulate my words right and people won't be able to understand me. But I was good at talking one-to-one, -one, but not face-to-face -face. and still learning, really. Um, if I've come here, I've come far, so we praise God for that. But, you know, it's a learning process. So sometimes God asks us to do some things that are completely out of our comfort zone, but at the end of the day, we have to remember that that very thing God asked you to do clearly has a purpose um, in your life or it will take you somewhere else. So when God is opening a door, it's always better to just say yes and jump into it, even if you're not ready, because the Holy Spirit will be leading you and who will be helping you um, through it all. So. It, I'll continue. It says, in looking at the life of Solomon, we see he starts out trusting God and honoring his ways. Early on in his reign, we find him lifting up a completely God-honoring prayer full of trust during one of the most pivotal times in his kingdom, 
the dedication of the temple. So um, as you know today, the title is the temple and we will be talking about um, the temple that Solomon built. David wanted to but was denied. Um, and um, I'll continue. Say Solomon's monumental achievement was the construction of the temple of God. For all the King David's tremendous achievements and accomplishment, the one thing God, the one thing he was not able to accomplish was the construction of the temple. God didn't allow David to build the temple because David was a man of war and bloodshed. This ha this can appear like an unfair consequence. After all, most of the battles David fought were in the, in obedience to God. But consider this, the task of building the temple wasn't an assignment God gave to David and then took away from him after all the battles. Very important important point here because I think um, we could, like, like this paragraph is talking about, um, King David, yes, was the one who wanted to build, but was God denied that favor to build the, the temple. And um, even for me, for a long time, I was thinking, but why God? Why couldn't he build it? Um, and is it just because he was a, a fighter? In he, Even here it says he was a man of war and bloodshed. Um, if we read First Chronicles 22, 8 and 28, um, 3, it talks about this. But we have to take a step back and understand that it wasn't in God's plan to allow David to build the temple. I mean, it was a good desire that David had, but at the end of the day, that was not in God's plan for David. It may have been in for David's generation to come, like we see that Solomon was able to build it, and Solomon is the son of David, but it wasn't in God's plan for David's life um, in that moment. So I think it's important that we see that some no's um, are because we think that just because I have a good desire, um, a good heart, or it's coming from a good place, God's going to grant it. But not necessarily if he sees that maybe you building like here, maybe David building that could have caused him some other issues, could have, I don't know, ended his life. This is just me, you know, making guess. But at the end of the day, we know that... Um, David wasn't able to build it, but his generations after that was able to build. So here it says, building the temple was David's request and a request that God had denied. So David's desire to build the temple was a good thing, which can make it like a good idea, like what I was saying earlier. But not all good ideas are God's ideas. When we find ourselves in similar situations, we have yet another opportunity to make the choice to trust God. So here, what one thing that we learned is that even though David was denied from building the temple, we know that he continued to trust God in everything that he did. So let's read First uh, Corinthians, sorry, First Kings eight seventeen to eighteen. First Kings eight seventeen to eighteen. It says, then Solomon said, my father David wanted to build this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord told him, you wanted to build a temple to honor my name. 
your intention is good, but you are not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. So, I mean, David had a clear message from God told, telling him that um, your intention is good, but at the end of the day, um, it's not you who will do that, but your generations after you. So there was clear understanding there. And then it continues to say, and now the Lord has fulfilled the promise he made for I become king in my father's place. And now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised. I have built this temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And I have prepared a place there for the ark, which contains the covenants that the Lord made with our ancestors when he brought them out of Egypt. So we see here that years later, God still fulfilled that promise. Um, one thing I want to point out is that if God has said something, he will do it. There's never a time that God has said he will do something and hasn't done. It may have taken longer than expected in human perspective, in human timing, but in God's timing, that was perfectly when it needed to be. So we know that God gave the task, responsibility, and privilege of building the temple to Solomon, and Solomon was able to fulfill. Um, I want us to read 1 Kings um, first Kings six, one and first Kings nine, 10. These two verses are very pivotal. First Kings six, one says, it was in the mid spring in the month of Ziv during the fourth year of Solomon's reign that he began the construct to construct the temple of the Lord. This was 480 years after the people of Israel were rescued from their slavery in the land of Egypt. It was on the fourth year of Solomon's reign. Not on the first, not on the second, not on the third, but on the fourth year. So what I want us to, to see here is that God was able to fulfill no matter the timing. Like, it doesn't matter. Even if it was 480 years after the Israelites came out of slavery from the land of Egypt. And it was on the fourth year of Solomon's reign, because maybe we're thinking, okay, if it's gonna be Solomon who built it, oh, it's gonna be on the first year, it's gonna be on the second year. Because um, we're always thinking our timing is, is how life goes, but it's really not, because God has his own timing. And similarly, First Corinthians, First Kings, 9 10 i don't know why i keep saying corinthians <laughs> 9 10 says it took solomon 20 years to build the lord's temple and his own royal palace at the end of that time he gave 20 towns in the land of galilee to king haram of tyre i'll stop there again we see that it took solomon 20 years to build the temple and his own royal palace 20 years that's a long time you know and here it's asking us there's a question on page 37 it says as you look at first Kings 6 1 and 9 10 which is what we just read does anything from the construction of the temple surprise you or stand out for me what stands out is that both of them are talking about timing you write down what you what you think is standing out to you in the chat because we would like to see that. 
But for me, it's definitely time. Because in both cases, we as humans think it took a long time. Um, but in God's sight, it was perfect because that's when God knew what it was necessary to be built. So looking at the temple infographic on the next page, what are some things that stand out to you about the temple itself? If you have extra time this week, this is what it says, but also I'm saying, feel free to do further research on the areas of the temple that stood out to you. Um, this is the temple. Uh, I hope that you can see it. So this is from 1 to, to 13, and they're named with numbers and also like what each number represents in the temple because they all have boxes and areas and all that stuff. Um, sadly, I won't be able to go through all of them because of timing, but if you have time, please do go and um, do your own research about the temple um, because you will be able to understand it even more in depth. So for me, something I realized is it was so big and so large and it had different rooms, but at the same time, um, it fulfilled all the necessary, um, it had all, all the things that were necessary in a temple. So every area was designated to a certain or important thing that needed to be in a temple. So it had the Holy of Holies, it had Holy Place, Veil, Altar of Incense, Table of Showbread, Seven Branched Lampstands, Court of Priests, Court of Israel, Altar of Burning Offerings, Animal Preparation Area, East Gate, Court of Women, Women's Balconies. Um, all of that is in the temple. And we know that all of these things have an important um, part they, they they play an important role in the in the in the temple so um i can't go through them sadly but i would like you guys to go through them and um understand for yourself for sure but now i want us to um look at first kings 8 22 to 53 here it talks about solomon's prayer that he did um after the temple was finished in the dedication of the temple, Solomon made a prayer in uh, 822, 22 to 53. So this is a long reading, so I'll read it. It says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted his hands towards heaven and he prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all heaven above or on the earth below. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You have kept your promise to your servant David. My father, you made that promise with your own mouth and with your own hands. You fulfilled it today. And now, O Lord God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David. My father, for you... For you said to him, if your descendants guard your behavior uh, and, and faithfully follow me as you have done, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, O God of Israel, fulfill this promise to your servant David, my father. But will God really live on earth? 
why even the highest he heavens cannot contain you how many less this how much less this temple i have built nevertheless listen to my prayer and my plea o lord my god hear the cry and prayer that your servant is making to you today may your may you watch over this temple night and sorry may you may 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 well okay i'm at 29 may you watch over this temple night and day this place where you have said my name will be there may you always hear the prayer i make towards this place may you hear the humble and earnest request from me and your people israel when we pray towards this place yes hear us from heaven where you live and when you hear forgive so i've just read till 30 and then i'll read till 35 then we can discuss if someone if someone wrongs another person and is required to make to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar in the, in this temple then hear from heaven and judge between your servants the accuser and the accused punish the guilty as they deserve acquit the innocent because of their innocence if your people israel are defeated by their enemies because they they have sinned against you and if they turn to you and acknowledge your name and prayer to you here return them to this land you gave their ancestors if the skies are shut up and there is no rain because your people are sinned your people have sinned against you and if you pray towards this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants your people israel so i like how in the in on page 36 it breaks down the prayers in three parts so the from 28 that i read well i read from 22 but here it says from 28 to 30 33 and 35 where i just stopped it's an intercession so he's interceding on not only on behalf of of the the temple and the church but also for israel he's interceding for them and he's also giving praise to to god and then the second one is from verses 38 to 45 38 to 45 here says and if your people Israel pray about their troubles, raising their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven when you live and forgive. Give your people what their actions deserve, if for your alone know each human heart. Then they will fear you as long as they live in the land you gave to your ancestors. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from the distant land because of your name, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of Israel, of, or of all the people of the earth, will come to know and fear you just as your own. In just as your own people Israel do. They too will know that this temple I have built honors your name. If your, 
people go out where you send them to fight their enemies. And if they pray to the Lord by turning towards the city you have chosen and towards this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their causes. So the second part is a plea for mercy or for help um, for Israel and for the people as well. And then for the third part um, Solomon, of Solomon's prayer, it's from verse, it mentions here verse 52, which says, May your eyes be open to my requests and to the request of your people Israel. May you hear and answer them whenever they cry out to you. It's very simple. But here it says the third part is a cry of joy or sorrow. And I want to just read it again. It says, may your eyes be open to my requests and to the requests of your people Israel. May you hear and answer them whenever they cry out to you. What a nice way to end the prayer. Because here um, it's saying that we cry out to God when we have good good things and also bad things. We We come to him and we plead with him and we ask him that he gives us joy or sorrow whichever and and then of course the the prayer doesn't end there but it continues um but it's such a beautiful prayer because he's not only dedicating the temple but he's also praying for the people and the generations and also the people who um who are considered foreigners here but um are not are not israelites um he's also praying for them and he's praying that this temple would be a place of honor would be a place where people come to get um, peace, a, a place where people can come and be delivered and be changed and transformed. And it's such an amazing prayer. If you get the time for sure, like go through each of the prayer lines and understand what he's trying to say. Also, I thought that it, it's interesting that the three prayer um, breakdowns is similar to how we pray, at least to how I pray. Um, the way I pray usually is that I come with praise and I, I give thanks to God. And then I come um, asking for forgiveness of my sins, of the things that I have done. And then I come with my requests or with my cries to God to help me with whatever it is. So it's a, it's a good way. It's a good um, method to follow um, if you are trying to see how you want to pray or like to grow your prayer life. I think those steps are very important um to you know for god to hear your your prayers and then in uh, page 39 now um um it says clearly we see the in intense emotion of solomon in his prayer all of the emotion leads us to the essence of his prayer two very important realities that are mentioned here in the prayer is that humanity patterns is waywardness um, I actually went to go find uh, the meaning of waywardness and it says here turning away from what is right. So it's so true because everything in humanity takes you away from the right thing. And we know that the right path is God's path. So if anything is taking you away from God's path, you know that that's not from God. And the second thing is God's pattern is covenant commitment and steadfast grace. Okay, so let's break this down. At first, I was like, what is a covenant commitment? 
And the way I understand it is we know that a covenant, it's a promise that cannot be broken. Um, and a commitment is something that you, you commit yourself, you, you give yourself to. So here, it's a covenant, something that's unbroken, basically. So God's patterns, not God himself, but God's patterns so over the years, the things that he has been doing and how he walks and how he, he shows himself um, throughout generations. His patterns is covenant commitment, one. And the second one is steadfast grace. So the meaning of steadfast is the quality of being resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering, unwavering, unchanging. So a steadfast grace means regardless of our life conditions or our life circumstances, grace will abound each day for us. It doesn't, it's not dependent on what we do. If that was so, then we would have been all dead by now. But because God's steadfast grace, which means unfailing, unchanging, unwavering love and and care that he has for us, his grace abounds regardless of what happens. And I think it's important to understand these, these two points. So here there's a question. It says, when have you seen these two realities collide in your life or in the life or of someone you know? Please tell us, like, when is it that these two points, the two points, which is the first one being humanity's pattern is waywardness. So when was the time that you decided to decide for yourself and go into your your plans and your um your purpose that you created for yourself and the second point is god's pattern is covenant commitment and steadfast grace so when was it that you decided to be in god's pattern in god's aligned um purpose for you and when was the two things colliding basically that's the question when did the two things collide in your life and and what happened when that um when it collided for me I can give you a short testimony for sure a few years back um, when these two things collided um, I was shattered because it's 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 very hard to put a step in the world and a step in God's purpose for your life because the two things don't run together and you would just keep colliding colliding and at the end you you don't know how to move because the two things are completely separate from each other they don't meet at any point, but we still try to hold on to two things that are opposites. It's like when you take a magnet and you take the opposite sides and you try to make it fit. It doesn't fit. It just bounces back. So it's the same concept with living in Christ and living uh, just a wayward life or a, a life of the world. Um, so for me, the moment I said, you know what, I choose you, God, I choose your plans and your desires for my for my life. And I let go of my waywardness. My life was in peace. I wasn't in chaos. I was my mind was not in chaos anymore. I wasn't trying to make things happen for myself, but things were just flowing and whatever had to leave was leaving. Whatever had to stay was staying. Whatever door had to open was opening. So I think it's important that we understand that those two things don't match but there are those two things in the world that we can choose from but which one do you choose today and i pray and hope that you choose 
God's way, God's um, road, God's purpose that is for you. And here, uh, page 39, at the end, it says, Throughout this prayer, which is the prayer of Solomon, King Solomon seemed to anticipate all the way all the ways people of God could and would sin and wander away from him. So this, you can find it from verse 31 to 51. And say Solomon's prayer can be broken down into seven specific petitions. And in each of these instances, we see the propensity and pattern of Israel turning away from the Lord. Solomon, however, reminded the people that even in the midst of their unfaithfulness god would remain faithful to all those who would repent and turn towards him so like what i was saying earlier basically that even though we may have been living those two opposite lives the moment we decide to repent and turn back to god god immediately accepts us because God is faithful and he remains in what he has said. He never breaks his word. So someone described just this when he referred to the covenant of love. In verse 23, the Hebrew word translated as love is haste, which refers to the loyalty or unbroken nature of God's covenant. I repeat that. It refers to the loyalty or unbroken nature of God's covenant. Another translation of this Hebrew word is steadfast, which what we said earlier. Haste is the steadfast love of God. So we know that steadfast means unwavering, unchanging. So God has an unchanging, unwavering love for us. So what does that entail? What does that mean? It means that God's love is constant. It does not depend on anything else. There is no prerequisite um, for God's love. You don't have to do something to deserve God's love. God's love will be there independent of, independent of the things that we do. So it doesn't depend on our actions. It doesn't depend on our circumstances. It doesn't depend on anything that we do, uh, whether right or wrong, because God's love has always been there and will always be there for us. It's basically a lifetime promise, if you think about it. Um, and then in verse 40, it says, the, end, the ending of Solomon's prayer from verses 52 to 53 is as important as the beginning, which is verse 23. King Solomon started by declaring the covenant-keeping character of God based on the promise God made to David. And he ended by referencing the covenant promises God made to Moses. So if we go and look at these verses, you'd see that verse 23, Solomon is saying to those who walk according to the will of God, that he will have unfailing love for them. And then in verse 52 to 53, in the end, it's saying that we are God's prized possessions. So all of this to say is that the covenant that God has with us is, or the covenant that God has put in place is God's love, right? That love is constant. It doesn't change. And here it says, and we see that um, as, they, as Solomon is praying, 
um, he is declaring back the, the promises that God has said over many different um, decades and years. So if we look at um, Exodus 19.5, I want us to quickly go there. I think we still have some time. 19.5 says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. Now if you will obey, I'm reading it again, if you will obey me and keep my, my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth from among the, all the peoples on earth you will be my special treasure important for us to know that we this is a this is the promise um god gave moses and so it's important important for us to know that even though this promise was said and done many years ago it still works today Today in 2021, this promise still works. God still loves. God still cares. God still makes things happen for us. And all of that is a fulfillment of the promise that God has put in um, in us and also many generations before. So it says all of scripture anticipates the coming of Jesus and his kingdom. The beauty of scripture is seeing how the will and desire of God for reconciliation and unity unity among the nations is woven throughout for instance one of the petitions we find in solomon's prayer is a petition for the foreigner that they shall hear of your great name the foreigners are people who are not um, israelites we see god's great redemptive plan to save and rescue both jews and gentiles even here in first kings how would the foreigner hear of the great name of the Lord? They would hear it through God's people, who would be a witness to all humanity. Jesus described something very similar in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, when he called the people of God a city set on a hill. What a glorious privilege and responsibility for us today to make known the great name of our Lord. What does it particularly look like to be a city on a hill? Who inspires you to be this way? So let me just quickly go to Matthew 5, 14 to 16, where it talks about the city on the hill, which is basically us believers. Sorry about that. Doo, doo, doo. Here it is. A city on a hill. So it says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So here, I thought it was interesting that it talked about the Jews and the Gentiles and how they were also able to, um, well, in Solomon's prayer, he was also petitioning for them. Um, 
And then it talks about how would they be able to hear um, God's, God's word or God's great name. And here it says they would hear it through God's people who would be witnesses to all humanity. And this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, that Christians, believers, are the reason why other people around would be able to know about God. So he gave the example that we are the light or, or not only the light, but the city on top of a hill. It cannot be hidden. In the daytime, uh, a city will not be hidden because it's on top of the mountain. And then in the nighttime, it is visible because there's a light in the house and it still will be able to show. So whatever, what does this mean? It's a, it's a metaphor to say that a Christian or a believer, no matter where you go, darkness, lightness, wherever you are, you'll always be able to shine brighter. But it is also up to us to do that. If we are dimming our lights because we are we have fear or because we think that I don't have confidence to do what God is asking me to do in this moment, that is dimming your light. So when you're dimming your light, remember that you're also affecting other people who can come to Christ. Because the moment we allow ourselves to be used as vessels um, in God's house, that is the moment we allow other people the chance to know about God because God, we are disciples. And what does a disciple do? They do what God asks them to do. So if God is asking me today to go out and to speak to the world in front of a camera about God and I'm too shy or I'm too scared, then I am stopping many other people from um, receiving salvation, from hearing God. So I think here it brings us back to to us to to see um to see how we um also were part of this prayer and um so here it says on page 40 in in first kings chapter 9 we see god's response after solomon completed the temple and dedicated it god appeared to solomon and reminded him of the unconditional promise he made to David. So I was saying this before, that the promises that God has made to Moses, we here we see to David, they have all been fulfilled and continue to be fulfilled because God does not break the promises. We may think that it may take longer or we may even give up on the promise, but one day comes a day, there, there comes a day where the 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 promise, the unconditional promise is fulfilled because when God makes a promise, it's a covenant, which means he doesn't break them. It happens. But the timing of it is not up to us. That's up to God. So here on verse 41, it says, sorry, verse on page 41, it says in verse 6 of, okay, let's first read. First Kings 9, 6, because that's what it's talking about. So First Kings 9, 6. Nine, six says, But if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the commandments and decrees I have given you, 
And if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot Israel from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make Israel an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And then it goes on and on. So here it's bringing in the, the part where Solomon's downfall is introduced. We know that Solomon trusted God, honored him. Um, that's what we see. And we've seen David's promise also being fulfilled unconditionally it was an unconditional promise so it didn't depend on anything else even if solomon was not walking in the right way the temple still would have been uh uh the temple would have still been uh, accomplished because it's unconditional um here it says on page 41 in verse 6 there is significant shift from unconditional to conditional god reminded solomon of not only his responsibility, but the responsibility of the Israelites to turn to God and remain faithful. The language of this address shifts from second person singular, you, to second person plural, y'all, to include all the people within this covenant responsibility. Essentially, as Solomon led, so the Israelites would follow. It makes sense. As Solomon trusted, the Israelites would be prone to trust as well. As Solomon slipped into distrust, the Israelites would follow into wayward and distrustful living. So we see that even though God had granted him the favor to build the temple, and after building the temple, there was a responsibility from Solomon as the king and as the one who was chosen to fulfill the promise, he had a responsibility to keep going. It wasn't until the temple was built and then do whatever you wanted with your life, but constantly there were certain things that God had asked him to do to as a responsible one of, of the promise. But also there was there were certain things that he was not supposed to engage himself in. Because God knows our weaknesses and our strength. So the covenant has a responsibility. And we know that, a, for example, a covenant in marriage. Marriage is a covenant. You are making a promise before God and before your partner that you will forever be with them. The moment you break that covenant, there are, respons there are responsibilities and consequences for it. So here... Similarly, um, it's something similar that happened. So the question on page 41 says, after having some amazing encounters with God, why do you think Solomon still slipped into disobedience and distrust? Because he went against God's commands. That's exactly what happened. There were When we, in our lives, um, God says, I'm fulfilling this in your life. I'm doing this for you. Well, not for you, but for him. But you are my vessel and I'm using you. But there are certain things you must consistently continue to do so that this promise can pass from generation to generation. And here we see that Solomon failed because he did not listen to the instructions or he broke the instructions which were given. They were instructed not to marry 
foreign women outside of the Israelites. But he did so. And one after the other and one after the other. And what happened is that over the years, he his connection or relationship with God was weakening. And it's important for us to know that when God tells us not to do certain things, there is a reason behind it. It's not because he wants us to suffer or because he wants us to um, fail or to be less than. That's never God's plan. God always has um, positive things planned for us. He wants us to succeed and to grow and to get closer to him, really. So when God says no to certain things, it's important for us not to question them too much because he can see the future ahead. So he can see our strengths and he also can see our weaknesses. So at, on this point, I will close for today. But before that, I want to ask this question. It says, have you ever been in a situation where you were tempted to place your trust in others or yourself above God? Type it in the in the comments. I know for sure I have many, many different times um, because it's, you know, it's definitely easier to trust whatever is in front of you than to trust God's plan, which you cannot see. I mean, that is simple, right? Uh, we always think that it's easier to to trust and to believe something that we can see with our eyes than things that we cannot see. And usually when God tells you to do certain things, you can't see them because the, the, the promise or the consequence, the positive consequence comes after. So um, that's why I believe um, it's harder to trust God's plan because God's plan happens throughout in step by step. It could mean that some things need to be removed from you and you need to probably grow and pray and, you know, attain some things that you need. So um, it's a longer process, but it's a worthwhile process. Um, so trusting him above others is going to for sure give us um, a more fulfilling um life than actually trusting the world or um, trusting other people not that we don't have to trust others but in this sense it's you know choosing others or other people's opinions um, above trusting god and trusting his plans so i will close today by reading the last part of page 41 it says i don't know what situation is bugging you um, to put your trust in your in yourself or your own desire above the Lord. I don't know what steps of obedience God is currently calling you to take, but let me be gentle whisper in your ears, encouraging you to keep going. Keep trusting. Keep taking steps after obedience, obedience steps. So I'll read that again. Keep taking step after obedience step. So it means take one obedient step after another obedient step until Christ comes back. We don't have to understand the why of God's ways. And we usually don't understand it. But it's those people who trust God without seeing are the ones who will attain the positive consequence and the positive life that God has for us. But we do have to keep choosing to follow him always. Always pick God above everything else. 
Let's not stop short of our victory with God. He is working things out. He is present. His plan is still good and he can still be trusted. These are true certainties, even when life feels so very uncertain. So this is just an encouragement for you today. And I hope that you heard my heart today. Um, I hope that you understood this chapter. There are still many things that, um, you know, we had to just zoom through because of timing and all. But I do encourage you to to go back and look at the chapter and, you know, especially the part of understanding the different parts of the temple because we didn't really look into that but it would be amazing if you do that and understand for yourself and just looking into the prayer solomon's prayer as well because he prayed for everyone and every part trying to make sure that you know he covered everybody in prayer um and let us also be intercede and intercessors like like that because um there is just a special gift when you are praying for someone else. You yourself, you get edified, you get changed, you you grow. Even your problems get solved in the midst of that. Because, I mean, Jesus was here for us. Um, Holy Spirit is here for us. So we humans, uh, we should also be there for others by prayer and intercessions. So this is where I'll close today. I hope that it really blessed you. I hope that you were able to learn something today. And on that note, I'll pray and then we can we can go. Heavenly Father, we praise you today. We thank you for being in our midst. We thank you for helping us to understand this chapter. Thank you for understand for giving us understanding of, of scripture thank you for allowing us to go through and understand the prayer of solomon thank you father god that you are a covenant keeping god thank you father god that all the promises that you have said years and years ago are still uh, being fulfilled today father god i praise you for all that you do i thank you abba father god for hearing us today i thank you holy spirit for being with me today and for working through me today i thank you abba father god for speaking through me and for using me as your vessel abba father i pray that every person who's watching and every person who will be watching today i pray father that you give them understanding of your word lord jesus i pray that they will be able to um continue to build that close relationship with you Abba Father God. Lord, I thank you for all of those who are asking um, and who are in need. Father, I pray today that you hear them, Father God. I pray that you hear their cries. I pray, Father God, today that you hear their needs, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would be right there with them and give them all that they need, Abba Father God. I bless your name, Father God, for all that you've done and for all that you continue to do for us. We thank you, Abba Father, that there is purpose on our life, Father God. I praise you in all of it and thank you Abba Father for there is no one like you thank you Lord thank you Abba I bless your name today in Jesus mighty name amen all right guys thank you so much for joining me today and don't forget to register for all different events that are coming up and also um, if you are wanting any prayers, please do go to the website um, or email us um, on the email that is on our website and we will definitely be praying with you and we are here for you and I love you all. Have a good rest of your day. Bless you. Bye.